All right. How's everybody doing? Good to see y'all. Y'all a lively crew. This is just wonderful. Well, um, on behalf of the other elder pastors of Transformation Church, on behalf of the Transformation Church uh, family right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, it's an honor and it's a privilege for me to uh, be with you guys. Um, I did the team chapel for uh, the Mizzou football team, and I mean, I tried the best I could. I tried. Um, you know, we, we had a couple things go our way, but no, seriously, this has been a great trip. I have really enjoyed getting to know your church and to be a part of it. I've been blessed. And so, um, yeah, so I'm going to pray and then put on your seatbelt and let's see what God does. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. I don't say come because you're not already here, for you are omnipresent and you indwell your people, those watching online and those who are physically here. When we say come Holy Spirit, what we're saying is, Lord, there's nothing that we can do that the power of the Holy Spirit does not first move in us to do. So we humbly request that you would open our eyes to the majesty of Jesus, that you would open our eyes to the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus the epicness of Jesus, that we would just let Jesus just get all up in our lives and rearrange the spiritual furniture so that we can be the dwelling place he's created us to be. And we want this to the glory of God the Father. Lord, may I decrease and may you increase. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, welcome those of you online as well. So we're going to look at a story in the Bible that is a familiar story. If you have been a follower of Jesus for a while, and I know not everybody here or those watching have been, but for those of us who have read the story of the prodigal son, we're familiar with that story, but be careful about the Bible ever becoming familiar because God is infinite. He, he's a perpetual and eternal novelty. And, and, you know, my wife and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage. Yeah. So we met in college. I was 18. She was 19. And I don't want my wife to ever become familiar to me. And we don't want the word of God to ever become familiar to us. And so as we look at the prodigal son, we're, we're going to see some, some themes that may or may not be new, but we're going to give greater insight to them. And for those of you who don't know Jesus, please understand this. God is not calling you to achievement, but receivement. He's not calling you to earning. He's calling you to receiving that the God of the Bible is not like human beings. Uh, we human beings will give love based upon what we get in return. Um, it's called transactional. And, and I know, even for us as Christians, if we're honest, we're a little transactional. Uh, I mean, since we're in this moment, uh, I mean, I know many of you are college football fans and Mizzou football fans, and when they win, it's like, this is the greatest team ever. These players are great. The coach is great. And then when they lose, like, fire everybody. <laughs> Man, I am so glad I did not play in an era where people have Twitter. Y'all be having some Twitter fingers. Let me, let me, let me listen, if it was easy you would have at least made JV football when you're in high school. <laughs> if, it was, if, if it was easy, you would be the coach that they pay millions of dollars to. 
people like, man, you know, if I was in the NFL, well, first of all, you didn't make your middle school team, so you wouldn't have been in the NFL. <laughs> and second of all, even with a broke back at 51 years old, I would destroy you. <laughs> like, so, but my whole point is this. We go, man, I love you because we get something out of it. But you know what true love is? And when you don't get anything out of it. God doesn't get anything from us loving him back. Let's do some theology here. God is self-existent. God has no longings or needings. He's not going, oh, I'm so lonely, I need people. God has existed in a community of eternally three people who live in self-existent love. And so God doesn't need you and I to perform for him. He simply desires that you and I let him love us. You and I were created by love, from love, for love, to love. What is God the Father like? Well, God the Father is like Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians that Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form, that Jesus is the human face of what God in his totality looks like. And Jesus shows us from one of the most incredible stories of the Bible, the prodigal son, about our father's love. Now, let me pause here. If you're like me, I didn't grow up in church. But the first time one of my teammates, his name was T, uh, Steve Grant, from 1993 to 1997, I played for the Colts. And uh, I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't a believer. I was a good person, whatever that meant. But I noticed the guy, this guy after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, and wrap a towel around his waist. Then he'd get his Bible, and he'd walk around the locker room like this. Six foot two, 245 pounds, dark chocolate skin, Bible, white towel around his waist, and he'd go to my teammates and say, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm going, bruh, do you know you're half naked? <laughs> and so eventually, he asked me, did I know Jesus? And as we had these conversations, he would tell me, man, God loves you. And in my mind, I'm going, how can God, whom I've not seen, love me, but my father who lives six blocks down the road, who doesn't even come to see me play football in middle school, how does God love me, but this man doesn't? And so we develop these, these wounds, and, and we develop these scars, and some of us have covered our wounds with our degrees, our jobs, our kids, our spouses, and we're just one event away from that Band-Aid being pulled out and our guts are spilling out all over the place. We have a father who says, come to me as you are. You don't have to impress me. Come to me as you are and let me impress my life upon you to transform you. So let's look at this story from that perspective. So our father, despite our foolishness, and the Bible, foolishness is, a, is an example of sin, uh, despite our foolishness, doesn't give up on us. He's gracious. He, he doesn't give up on us. Maybe people have spoken over you and said, you know what, you're going to be just like your uncle. You, you're going to be just like the people you're from. You, you know what, you've gone too far. 
Your, your addiction is too deep. You, you've messed up too bad. You, you, you've gone through a divorce. You, you've slept with too many people. You are no good. You are damaged goods. Well, I got something to say to you today that God's grace is greater than your damage. God's grace is greater than your brokenness. God's grace is greater than your trauma. God's grace is greater than your sin and my sin. There is nothing greater than God's grace. Okay. In the other two services, I had to tell the black people to clap so the white people can start. A white man started. Praise God. Okay. So now we know what to do. If it's good to you, let it rip. He's gracious. So we're going to look at this story. Let's follow along. And this is Jesus speaking, teenagers and preteens. He also said a man had two sons. Say two sons on the count of three. One, two, three. So this is a Jewish family. The younger of them said to his Abba, to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. Time out. Time out. In the first century Second Temple Jewish world, if a Jewish boy told his Jewish father, give me my inheritance while you're still alive, that's basically him spitting in the face of his dad. That's basically him saying, die, old man, I don't respect you. Not only would that have affected the father, it would have affected the community he was in. The father's status and estate and finances would have shrank because the younger son gets one-third, the older son gets two-thirds, so the older son's two-thirds became smaller. Now, look what the father does. So he distributed the assets to them. If that was me, I would have distributed something else to the assets. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I never said that before. That was funny. And I, and uh, let me keep going. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. The young son got his money, got on his camel with the chrome hooves, <laughs> and he went to a distant country, and he went buck wild. He was buying everybody shots at the club. He was dropping it like it's hot. I mean, he was just going in. The, the word foolishness uh, is an example of sin. So let's pause here. Oftentimes when we think of sin, it's kind of like, ooh, I did a little boo-boo. But, but the word sin technically means to miss the mark. Well, what's the mark? The mark is God's glory. So another way to say it is this. Sin is when you and I tell Jesus there's something better than you. Sin is when you and I tell Jesus, I'm going to get more satisfaction out of this. Sin is when you and I tell Jesus, uh, um, I think my way is better than your way. Sin is renouncing our right to rule and reign with King Jesus. It's foolishness. So my man is living in straight foolishness. It goes on. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck the country. He had nothing. Oh, my gosh. That's what dark powers, demonic powers love to do is they love to tell you, listen, this isn't going to be bad. You, you do know that sin spelled backwards is nice. <laughs> like the devil isn't going to be like, listen. Smoke this crack, and your life is going to be great. Hit this meth. This is going to be awesome. 
No, he, he lies to you and, and deludes you. Like, like, like for some of you men right now, you're, you're in your 50s and you, you know, you, 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 you kind of wondering if you still got it and there's this young thing at the office and she's really impressed with you because she's got daddy issues and you find yourself going around the office, going around her desk. No, no, stop. 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 Your family and legacy and God's glory is too important. Stop. You don't need to answer your old boyfriend from 1988 ladies on Facebook. How you doing? Fine, delete. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many affairs I have seen over the last 20 years because people wondering what their old exes are doing on Facebook because they're going through a midlife crisis. No, you have Christ to get through the crisis. He's not enough, she's not enough, Jesus is your enough. Appreciate that, homie. So he has nothing, y'all. Um, then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Er, time out. What kind of people have pigs? Not Jews, Gentiles. So not only did he dishonor his Jewish father, not only did he dishonor his Jewish village, but now he went to the distant country across the train tracks to the ethnic enemy. Keep in mind, Jews, according to Peter, he goes, it's unlawful in Acts chapter 10, it's unlawful for me, a Jew, to even go into your house. You're an unclean pagan. But then on another perspective, think about this. If you're a Jewish person, how do you feel about Egyptians who held your ancestors in slavery for 400 years? If you're a Jew, how do you feel about the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Zebubites, the Presbyites, the Babylonians, and now the Romans? Your whole experience has been Gentiles oppressing you, and now you're going to work for one? And, and, and now you're about to be with the pigs, an unclean animal? That is symbolic of just how far he had gotten away from his father's house. Can I pause here just for a moment? My daughter's 26, my son's 22. There's no such thing as a perfect parent, and the only perfect parent there ever was had two children named Adam and Eve, and they blew up the world. So that lets you know how well you're going to do and how well I'm going to do. Hey, parents, particularly if your kids are getting ready to come into their teenage years, would you let them know, you ain't got to tell all your business, but would you let them know you haven't always been the 45-year-old that you are now? Can you let them know that you are way more foolish than they are now? Because they're trying to live up to what you are now versus who you were when they were your age. Because they think, well, mom and dad wasn't crazy. Uh, you just, we invented crazy. <laughs> we wrote the book on it. Hey, teenagers, you know why? How we already know what you're about to do? Because that's what we did. So, but here's the thing, though. Let them know, like, hey, son. Hey, I, I get it. I was there. And teenagers... We wasn't just born 50 out the womb. We were 60. Yes, we understand what you're going through. We've experienced the same thing. Different times, you know what I'm saying? But yet and still the same experience. But it's important for people to know your story of grace, your story of when you rolled around with the pigs too. 
He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. So I think it's safe to say that he's at rock bottom. The good thing about rock bottom family is this. When you get to the bottom, you discover that Jesus is the rock. Our father is good and has our best interests in mind. Our father is good and has our best interests in mind. Now, teenagers and young adults, college students, please hear, hear, hear my heart. If, if you've been around the track of life a couple times and you're in your 50s, you kind of know this, but this is really important. Hear my heart. This is critical. God being good does not mean everything good is always going to happen to you. There's going to be some bad things that happen because our world is not yet the new heavens and new earth. But understand this, our God is good, meaning this, he will take the bad that has happened, and the Bible says that God works together all things for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So God will use your pain and turn it into purpose. He will take your tragedy and turn it into triumph to give you a heart like Jesus. That is his greatest goal. His greatest goal is not for you to have your dream job. His greatest goal is not for me to have my dream girl. His greatest goal is to Form and craft Jesus in us. What good does it have to have your dream girl, but your heart and character can't support her? What good is it to have that great job if your character is going to lead you to greed and corruption? Good thing we don't have any of that in corporate America. <laughs> good thing there's not giant drug companies that get everybody hooked on opiates and just pay a fine and nobody go to jail. But if your name is Pookie or Jose and you got $20 worth of weed, you go under the jail. Oh, y'all wasn't ready for that, huh? <laughs> y'all wasn't ready for a little systemic injustice. Listen, if you got relatives who are hooked on opiates, you need to understand it wasn't a dope man. Let me move on now. That's another sermon. Y'all wasn't ready for that. It's okay. It's cool. Here's our best interest in mind. Check this out. Luke 15, 17 through 19. When he came to his senses, oh man, that's so beautiful. I remember when I came to my senses, 1995, my third year in the NFL, I'm a team captain, beautiful wife, uh, baby on the way, money, Lexus with the chrome rims, chopping up the block, everything I've ever wanted. But yet and still, I couldn't love my wife the way she deserved to be loved because I didn't love myself. I was afraid of when I'd be done with the NFL, who would I be? Because the NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> and, and, and I needed forgiveness, but I didn't know that's what that was. And I came to my senses that there has to be more. I came to my senses. Some of us, it's time to come to our senses. He said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up. Please forgive me, but every time I read this text, I hear the voice of James Brown. Get on up. <laughs> I'll get up. Go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. That's great theology, family. When you and I sin, it is first and foremost a sin against God and then the person. So think about that. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me pause here. This gets me every single time. 
Something happens when these little alien things come out of the womb called children. And you know, every baby looks like an alien, but we're just blinded with love. Their heads be all, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know. Something happens, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you now. There is nothing my children can do to make me not love them. There is no battle I won't fight on their behalf. There is no distance I won't run for them. There is no mountain too high that I won't climb. There is no ocean too far and too long and too deep that I won't swim, even though I cannot swim. I believe that my love will just simply will it to be. Why? Because they are my children. And if I, as a broken, sinful man, can love my kids that way, imagine an infinite beautiful and holy God, so much more. You can't earn God's love. You don't have to come to him and go, hey, God, look, I got all A's. Jesus is your A plus. Jesus is your good enough. Jesus is your impressed enough. Make me like one of your hired workers. Man, he wants to be a servant. Our Father runs to us with a love that is compassionate. The word compassion means to suffer with. A love that is forgiving. A love that is forgiving. I'm going to park right here just for a moment. The blood of Jesus, family. The blood of Jesus is, is so all-sufficient that it not only forgives our past sins, it not only forgives our present sins, but it forgives our future sins. The blood of Jesus is so encompassing that it not only forgives us, but it declares us to be the very righteousness of God that Romans 13 says that before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. The blood of Jesus not only removes our condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but we are forgiven of our past. We're forgiven of our present. We're forgiven of our future. The glory of God is so extensive in the blood of Jesus that he throws our sins into the sea of his Father's forgotten memory. If that's true, stop putting on scuba gear and going looking for that which God has forgiven. Listen, if you don't get over guilt, you're going to guilt everybody else. If you don't get over shame, you're going to shame everybody else. If you don't get over condemnation, you're going to condemn everybody else. I can tell you within 20 minutes of what you really believe about God when someone lets you down. Because it's a lot easier to study theology than to live theology. It's compassionate, restorative. So watch this. So he got up and he went to his father. By the way, you and I can always go to the father when you blow it the biggest, that's when you need to run the fastest to him. And when you reach him, you realize he was the one carrying you to himself in the first place. Typically what we do when we sin, we run away. We go put on fig leaves like Adam and Eve. No, no, run to the father. So he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, let me pause here. I'm about to do some real deep theology. 
Say but with me on the count of three. One, two, three, but. Whenever you see but in the Bible, never forget this. God loves big butts and he cannot lie. <laughs> Satan may try to deny. Seriously, whenever you see but in the Bible, something big is about to happen afterwards. Every single time. Watch this. But while the sun was still a long way off. Whoa. His father saw him and was filled with compassion. So while the son was a long way off, the father is looking for him. And when he sees him, he doesn't say, I knew you'd be back. Look at you. <laughs> Man, I told you not to leave my house. You coming back like a dog with your tail between your legs. No, no, no. It says he saw him and he had compassion for him. Cause, cause, so, so like my son, he's six foot two, about 210 pounds. He's a much more handsome, bigger version of me. I am a bigger version of my dad who's five foot four. Like we are all the same. Broad shoulders, chest, bow leg. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It'd be like doop, 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 right? <laughs> so I know when my son is coming because I can see him. So I imagine his dad's like, that looks like the way I walk. That looks like my shoulders, a little bit tall. That, that's my son. And welling up inside of him was, oh, boy, I know how you've hurt and I hurt too. Oh, I know how you feel and I feel it. It's compassion. It's, it's grace and it's, and it's mercy. Oftentimes people go, well, what was the discipline the son got? The discipline the son got was God said, go ahead and take it. God let the world discipline him. Some of y'all are like, God, when are you going to get them? And God's like, they're going to get themselves. The son was coming to him. But look what happens next. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Okay. We're going to look at some extra biblical New Testament scholarship here. In the first century, second temple Jewish world, and even before that in the Old Testament, if a son dishonored the father the way this son dishonored his dad, the village elders would have been looking for that boy to come back because not only did he sin against his dad, he sinned against the whole village. And so when he got there, they were going to jack him up. But let's pause here. Here's an area where we have to grow American Christians. If you go to South America, if you go to Africa, if you go to Asia, you go to India, you go to non-Western countries, they understand the nature of corporate sin. Just like in the Bible, there was a man named Achan. When the children of Israel got set free, his sin jacked up the entire nation of Israel. But we as American Christians go, well, I didn't have nothing to do with that. Well, aren't you glad Jesus didn't go, I didn't have nothing to do with they sin? We're so individualistic. Well, no, that's not my problem. Just because you didn't cause the sin doesn't mean you can't mourn the sin. Doesn't mean you can't help repair the damage of that sin. So they would have been waiting for him. So picture this. The father 
is looking for his son, and he spots his boy, but then he spots the village elders. I'm just saying, I don't know if this happened, but maybe. <laughs> the father gets down on one knee, and he tightens up the laces on his shoes. He spreads his legs, and he starts stretching. Because he's like, ain't no way on God's green earth y'all going to beat me to my boy. As a matter of fact, my man, come here, come here. You're going to become a part of this sermon today. Here, get, come here, come here, come here. I don't know who you are. You're a good-looking young man, okay? You're just going to pretend like you're my son. You've been wilding out, and, and you got on your Yeezys and everything. And so picture that I'm the dad. Come on, don't go too far. You got to stay on the camera right there. It's good. Okay, so imagine the village elders are running towards him because they want to banish him from not only my family, but the entire village. So we're running. It is a foot race. It is a foot race. And when I get to my son, Scripture threw my arms around him, and I'm hugging him. And basically what I'm saying is this. If you're going to banish my son, you're going to have to banish me. You're going to have to break this pot on me because I love my son. I do not condemn him. I forgive him. I love him. Friends, that's the cross. Okay, you can be seated. You can be seated. That's the cross. On the cross, God the Father said, no, no, no. I'll take the consequences of sin. That's what he does for us. But that's not it, though. It even gets better. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I love this right here. Comes another big but. The daddy ain't even listening to that. He's like, I already know you're forgiven. I already know you repent because you're here. But the father told his servant, quick. When you read the Bible, there's a reason why it says quick. Because God is quick to forgive. God is quick to love. God is quick to show mercy. God is quick to love the people that you and I don't even like. He says, bring out the best robe. Why? Well, think about it. The son was filthy. He'd been rolling around with pigs. That's symbolic of our sin, that you and I can't be in the presence of God with our filthy rags of righteousness. So you know what God does? He goes, bring me the robe. <laughs> and it's a robe that was formed on the third day. It's a robe. The Bible says that we are clothed in Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, we put on the righteousness of Christ. That's called a doctrine of justification. God declares us righteous. We will never be more righteous than the moment that we say yes to Jesus. Our righteousness does not come from how good we preach, how good of a parent we are. It comes from a good, good father and a loving son, King Jesus. The best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. He said it before Beyonce. The ring meant, son, my authority is your authority. But he didn't earn it. <laughs> Neither do we. That's why it's called grace. And grace is amazing. And sandals on his feet. Why did he buy his son some Jordans? Because in the Greco-Roman world, 50% of the population was what's called a doulos. That's the word bond servant. It means a willing servant. It meant uh, someone 
who served another. Another term for the New Testament is slave, but it's not the, the slavery that happened here in America based on race. This slavery was people were indentured servants. They were captured by war. They could earn their freedom. It's more of servanthood, but the way you were identified is you didn't have any shoes on. And so he put shoes on his feet to go, you are my son. But it's still not over. It gets better. And then he says, bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Oh, my goodness. All the families and friends and cousins and uncles pulled out their phones and they began to do TikTok videos. <laughs> they began to celebrate. Hashtag, he's back. Friends, the fattened calf is Jesus. He's the one who takes us from spiritual death to spiritual life. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The living life of Jesus is in you. He was lost, and now he is found, and they began to celebrate. Friends, we have a God and Father who celebrates over his children. Would you receive his laughter today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and thank you so much for your mercy. I want to pray for those of us that know Jesus and follow him, that we would be overwhelmed with the Father's love, that we would stay in his embrace of grace. And I want to pray specifically for those who are saying, hey, preachers, I listen to this message. Uh, I'm recognizing that I need to have a personal commitment to Jesus, that, that I need to follow Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. I am lost. I need to be found. I am dead. I need to be made alive. Whether if you're online or in person, today is your day to say yes to Jesus and his offer of eternal life. In the silence of your heart, would you say this to him? Today, King Jesus, I bow my knee to you, and I confess that upon that bloody cross, you died for me. It should have been me, but you were disgraced to give me grace. Your blood forgives and makes me righteous, and on the third day, you rose again to live your life in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, and a to the man. Well, family, I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of God be a strong breeze at your back, pushing you towards God's glory. And may the Son of God shine his love upon your face. And may the providence of God guide you. In Jesus' name, have a great day. Amen.